You're listening to a message from Micaiah Ermler, lead pastor of Southridge Church in San Jose, California. This week's awesome message will start in a few seconds. But first, we hope you will stay connected with Southridge by liking us on Facebook or by following us on Instagram and Twitter. Search for the handle at Southridge Now and click the follow button so you can receive uplifting, encouraging content right in your feed. Thanks again for listening. And now, here is Pastor Micaiah. Good morning, Southridge. How are you doing? So good to see each and every one of you. Thank you for joining us online. I pray that you had a great week, and I'm so glad that you took time out of your day to be able to be a part of our services here online at Southridge. I'd love for you to do me a favor and download the Southridge app. You can text the word Southridge app to 77977. You'll see our messages, sermons, as well as the notes for each and every sermon. So I'm so glad that you're here. Also, if this is your first time, please give us a shout out in the comments. Let us know where you're watching from. And if this is your first time, let us know uh, your name and our host will be glad to greet you, pray for you. We would consider you a part of our Southridge family. So let us get to know your name and we're going to see what God has for us today. Well, many of you are watching all around the globe what is happening here in the United States, specifically what has transpired over the last week and a half and with the uh, riots, the looting, the violence, the animosity, the division. And many of you are probably thinking, since 2020 began, what is happening? Many of you are looking at the fact that we, shortly into the new year, saw a global pandemic with the coronavirus. Uh, Shortly after that, we saw stores uh, closing. We see economic problems popping up. We see people losing jobs. We see over 30 million unemployed currently in the U.S. We're seeing violence. And many of you are probably thinking, what is happening? I've been asking myself something very similar. I've been saying, what is this world coming to? But then this week, it was almost as if a thought crossed my mind. Not what is this world coming to, but more who is coming to this world. You see, As we watch what's happening around us, this didn't catch God by surprise. As a matter of fact, this is something that throughout Scripture we can see that He had foretold. He had told us about that we would start to see things in the world that would start to be popping up and start to happening. And so you and I as believers, as Christians, we can take some solace in the fact that even though this caught us off guard, it did not catch God off guard. So we've been studying the last couple weeks, if you've been tracking with us, we've been looking at the book of 2 Peter. Now, 1 Peter, the the writer, the apostle writer is dealing with the subject of grace. What an awesome topic. But then you come to the second book of Peter and the writer begins to transition it more to the knowledge of God. Specifically, over three chapters in 2 Peter, he uses the word knowledge of God 13 times. He's trying to emphasize something to you and I. He wants us to know God. He wants us to know his word, his will, and his ways. But for many of us, this knowledge is not just a head knowledge. It's it's not merely an intellectual knowledge. He wants us to know uh, intimately. Uh, You and I, if we 
are familiar with the Bay Area, we've been seeing all kinds of riots and looting and, and all, all sorts of things have been happening. And it wasn't until I came downtown that I saw with my eyes exactly what was happening. It wasn't until we got here that I saw the boarded up windows. It wasn't until I got here where I saw the graffiti. It wasn't until I came downtown that I saw the vandalism. It wasn't until I actually got here that now I really know what is happening. You see, God wants us not just to have a head knowledge of this, He wants us to really know what is happening. And to really know what is happening, we've got to see it. I'm a hands-on type of learner. I'm not the type of person that can just kind of digest it in a book and just kind of have it. I need a hands-on. What Peter's talking about is he is talking about a hands-on knowledge. He wants you to know God. My question, whether you've been saved 30 years or 30 minutes, how well do you know God? He wants you to know him. And the, Peter, the, the apostle Peter is writing so that you would know him. So he goes to great lengths to share his word and his will with us. So let's fast forward just a little bit because I believe I'm watching everything that's happening and I'm having some of the same thoughts that you are. And for some of us, we're, we're wondering what is happening? What is all this pointing to? And it's really pointing to the fact that not what is the world coming to, but who is coming to the world? You see, Jesus came to the earth for the first time as a baby, born in Bethlehem. But he's gonna come a second time and he's gonna call out his church. He's gonna rescue us. It's called the rapture for some. For others, it's called the catching away. It's where Jesus is gonna come for his church and we're gonna be taken up into heaven. We're gonna be spared the seven year tribulation. And so we see events are taking place that are getting closer to that moment. And we call this the second coming of Jesus, where Jesus is gonna come back. So we're, we're now at this point where Peter is writing and he wants to do something. So I wanna pick it up as we begin reading. In 2 Peter chapter number three, I want you to have a firm understanding of what this apostle's writing. And imagine Peter for a second. If you're familiar with the Bible, you know that Peter was kind of hot-headed. Peter was one that he talked when he should have listened. He was one that moved when he should have waited. He was one that uh, did all kinds of things kind of out of turn. But yet now you find Peter and he's a little bit wiser, a little bit more mature. He's no longer careless, he's courageous. And so I wanna read what some of his uh, writings have to do with. And so we see that when it came to Peter, when it came to his writings, he was writing to encourage us. This is the last book that he's gonna write. So here's a man who knows he's about to die, who wants to share something with you and I that will never die. He wants to share something so profound, so emphatic that can change our lives. So he writes this book, this powerful three chapters, and he's echoing what even the Apostle Paul is talking about when he writes this book. So I wanna begin reading in 2 Peter chapter number three, and notice if you would, verse number one. The Bible says this, Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by the way of a reminder. It's interesting, this word stir up has the idea of the ocean being stirred by a storm. And isn't that so fitting for Peter to use the analogy that he wants to stir you up like the sea is stirred up by a storm? 
And Peter, who walked on water, who saw the storm, he's trying to stir something up because he knows you and I, we forget things we should never forget. And we remember things that we should forget. And so he's trying to stir up a remembrance. He's trying to stir up. What is he trying to stir up? That you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that scoffers will come into the last days, walking according to their own lusts, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willfully forget that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, by which the word that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved with the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and the perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Understand, I love verse number nine. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. He said in John 14 that as he was talking to his disciples, he said, I go to prepare a place for you, that where I go, you may be also. You see, Jesus left after he resurrected from the grave. He left to prepare a place for you and I. Now, scripture talks about that he's coming again, that he's going to come and receive us. But for many of us, Peter wants to give a stern warning because he said in the last days there will be scoffers. What's a scoffer? Can I just tell you exactly what that word is? Many times we don't necessarily use that word, but a scoffer was a false teacher. It's someone who had a head knowledge of the Bible but would twist and pervert it. So scripture says in the last days, I mean the end times, that there will be false teachers, people that will uh, pretend to know God's word, pretend to teach God's word, then there'll be out and out people who say, I want nothing to do with God or his word. And so we see that nowadays, more than ever, who is the butt of most of the jokes? Christians. Who are people that the world looks on as more of an enemy than an asset? The church. And so we need to understand the times that we're living in. We need to understand that now more than ever, we've seen unparalleled, unchecked government oversight over the church to the point which we're not allowed to gather. And for many of us, we've sat there and we complied with the government. We said, okay, yeah, we, we shouldn't meet, even though God's word says, forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. Now, once we, we thought there was a safety issue, yeah, there's disease, yeah, we were very careful. But then now we're seeing the fact that, no, there's not the numbers like we thought before. And so yet there are some people, you're still afraid. Yes, some of you that are watching right now, you're still afraid to attend church. You're still afraid to gather. And you're using the government's restrictions as the reason why you won't attend. Now, can I tell you based on that argument, if that's what you're going to use as to why that you're not going to worship, then maybe we need to talk to our brothers and sisters in the Middle East and apologize to them. Now, would you go to our brothers and sisters in the Middle East who, because of religious persecution, cannot worship openly. Their government says you can't worship. Are they wrong? Should they stop what they're doing? Should we tell them, hey, stop meeting? No. You see, that's a sign of the end times. When we understand that there's great persecution for 
serving God and for worshiping together. And so we need to. It's important. It's vital that we do so. But there's false teachers that would tell you, no, 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 we shouldn't be doing that. We, we, we need to just go to our homes. Understand there's a difference. There's a vast difference. There is great Bible teaching that happens online, but the preached word of God, God's called that assembly. The church needs to be together. And so Peter's warning that in the last days, there's gonna be scoffers. That's deceivers. Those are people that are gonna try to lead you and I astray. So that's the, the, the earmark of where we're at. So we need to be careful. What, what time is it? What, what are we dealing with here? And so Peter's calling it out that in the last days, there are gonna be these scoffers. So he, he immediately is trying to say, don't be deceived. That's, that's his point. Don't be deceived. How many times are we easily fooled by those who say really good words, say things that it just seems like, man, they just, have, they, just, they just know so much. But we need to be careful not to be deceived. You see, God's desire is not to conceal his word, but to reveal his word. God's not trying to hide anything from you. He's not trying to keep you in the dark. But yet these deceivers, what are they saying? They are saying that, hey, where's the, where's the promise of his coming? For thousands of years, you Christians have been saying, Jesus is coming again. He's going to come back. Where is he? You see, this is a very naturalist view that, that God is not ordaining the, the, the steps of man, what man is going through. And so we need to understand that God is involved. The heavens declare the glory of God. God is evident and involved everywhere. And so we see that we need to make sure that we're on guard, our minds are on guard, that our, our, our conversation, our lifestyle, everything we do, that we say, you know what, I don't want to be deceived. I don't want to be led astray. You see, when one of the, one of the uh, uh, things that I notice nowadays is the most least taught on book or the one that Christians will tell you that, oh, I'm, a, I'm afraid or that one gives me anxiety or panic attack. And uh, you ask them, which Bible book of the Bible would do that? They'll tell you Revelation. Oh, that book, it scares me. Oh, that book, it kind of, I don't, I don't like to uh, hear preaching or teaching on it. And I believe that is the work of the enemy. I believe he does not want you and I to be aware of what is happening. You see, God is not trying to scare you. He's trying to prepare you. And for many of us, we don't understand that he's trying to prepare us, that he is trying to help us, that he's trying to get you and I to see what's going on. He's trying to get you and I to wake up to the reality of the world that we live in, that this world is not our home, that we're just a passing through. And so we need to stop and say, you know what, Lord, today, more than ever before, we need your help. God, we don't want to be deceived. So what happens now is we need to step out and say, Lord, I need to change what I'm doing. I need to think about things differently. And so for you and I, we need to make the decision that we're not going to be deceived because God's not trying to hide anything from you. As a matter of fact, Isaiah 46.10, he says, I have revealed the end in the beginning. That God right from the very beginning wanted to reveal these things to you. So if God was trying to keep a secret from you, why would he try to hide it? As a matter of fact, he's been trying to reveal these things to His whole word is pointing to an event where he's coming again, his second coming. You and I shouldn't be afraid of it. You and I should not allow anything to deceive us from thinking that God's not going to come back and rescue us. No, no, no. He is. He's coming back again. But for many Christians, this is a reality that we, we don't want to live in. Why? I think oftentimes we're, we're a little bit maybe too comfortable in this world. It's, it's a little bit too nice and cozy. Uh... So we need to, first of all, understand we shouldn't be deceived. But then secondly, Peter wants us to not be discouraged. Did you notice what he said in verse number nine? 
The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. You see, Jesus, understand, he doesn't want you to be discouraged right now with everything that's going on. Oh, it's real easy to think about what is happening. These are crazy times and I'm discouraged and I'm scared for the future. And he doesn't want you to be discouraged. He doesn't want you to be fearful. He wants you to be aware. And so Peter's reminding us, hey, there's this promise that we've got. We've got this promise that that God's going to take care of us. And he doesn't want us to be discouraged. He wants us to be encouraged. As a matter of fact, he said this in John 16, 33. He said this. He said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. 2 Thessalonians 1, 7. And to you you who are troubled, rest with us. You see, God wants you to be encouraged. He doesn't want you to be discouraged. He doesn't want you to be discouraged. He doesn't want you to give in to that. He wants you to live courageously in this world, to have a bold testimony, to understand that what God is doing, it's going to work out. But what happens is that we forget to look for his coming. Uh, Growing up, uh, I grew up in a big family. My parents would leave and then they would leave us a list of chores that we had to get done. And this long list of chores we'd have to do. But of course, my brothers and I, what we wanted to do was play video games, watch TV, or just mess around. But where we lived, we had a long driveway. And we would tell somebody to keep watch. We'd be like, all right, you got to keep watch. And when you see mom and dad, man, you just, you give us a sign. And guess what? Once we see mom and dad, then we'll make sure to just be careful. We need to understand that when it comes to this passage of scripture, this is to be encouraged. My parents, uh, when they would leave, we would always put that person at the end of the driveway. And uh, one of them would yell, hey, mom and dad are coming. And you know what, my brothers and sisters and I, the whole time we had played, we might've had hours to get that list done. We might've had hours to do everything on that list my parents had given us. And we would wait to the very last minute. We weren't looking for the coming of my parents. We were just waiting, goofing off. And man, as soon as we would see my parents, we'd try to get it all done. And there was no way we could vacuum the carpets, clean the floors, windex the windows, uh, do the dishes, and have our rooms cleaned up in time by the time they pulled into our driveway. So we would all get in trouble. Why? Because we weren't looking for his coming. I think today Christians will be disappointed because we're not looking for his coming. You see, today we're looking at these signs and Jesus is trying to let us know, I'm coming again soon. Are you ready? So are you looking for his coming? Here's another question. Do you long for his coming? Do you long for the day where you get to put your eyes on Jesus and see him come back? You see, he's coming again. Jane and I, we dated, we long distance dated. I was here in the Bay Area. She was in San Diego, 800 miles apart. So back in the day, some of you younger people may not remember this. You had a certain amount of minutes and text messages. Well, we would on average uh, spend about each month, maybe 17, thousand minutes talking sometimes go to 20,000 minutes we would text thousands of texts my phone bill would be sometimes $700 just trying to keep this 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 long distance relationship going and now it's so much easier but back then it was harder and whenever we'd get to see each other we would hop on a plane and I'd fly there she'd fly up here we couldn't wait to see each other we longed for that day there was something about being together you see As a Christian, we should long for the day we get to be with Jesus. It should be like that long distance relationship where you can't wait to be with that person because when you're with that person, it brings that peace, that joy, that comfort. So for you and I, we don't need to be discouraged. We don't need to be fearful that, hey, when Jesus comes back, what what it's gonna be like? No, 
It's like that long distance relationship. You can't wait to be back together. You can't wait to put your arms around that loved one. You can't wait to see their face. See, that's what it's going to be like when Jesus comes back. When he comes back, it's going to be the greatest celebration. We're going to be so excited. So when you and I talk about the second coming, when we hear about this, we shouldn't be fearful. We could be excited for what God is doing. So number one, don't be deceived. There's false teachers saying, ah, he's not going to come back. He's abandoned you. And there are people that will say that. There are others that they'll try to discourage you. But don't be deceived. Don't be discouraged. Because why? You're not going to be disappointed. You say, I don't know about this whole uh, heaven and afterlife. I don't know what that's going to be like. I'm here to tell you. It's better than you can possibly imagine. It'll be the greatest thing. Notice what Peter writes about. He says this in verse 13. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace and without spot and blameless. He's saying, hey, be diligent to look for these future events. Be diligent to look forward to this. He's saying, hey, don't don't be discouraged by this because you're not going to be disappointed. John said this in his gospel. I has not seen nor ear heard what God has prepared for them who look for his coming. God's got something so amazing prepared for you. But yet you and I, we think we're going to be disappointed. We think that nothing's going to live up to this earth. Guys, when we watch these horrific events that happened to George Floyd, it rips our heart out. As we see this travesty that others, our own brothers and sisters, that our own people that are suffering, that should rip our heart out. This, this world, as beautiful as it is, is broken. It's beautiful but broken because of sin. And we're all looking for a solution. That's why we're protesting in the streets. That's why we're writing emails, sending letters, because we're trying to fix something that is beautiful but broken. But God is saying, when I come back, I'm going to make a new heaven and a new earth whose foundation is righteousness. You can't say that about our earth today. The foundation here is not righteousness. There's evil and sin. Our One of our own staff even said it this week. He said, what we have is not a skin problem, but what we have is a sin problem. And God is saying, I'm going to build a new heaven and a new earth. Let me ask you a question, and I'd love for you to put it in the comments. What's your favorite spot in the entire world? Just put it in the comments. For my wife and I, it is the uh, Hawaiian island of Kauai. We love it there. It's beautiful. But there's other spots that we love too. We love the California coastline. We love the redwoods, the sequoias, Yosemite. We were engaged by Yosemite Falls. There's so many beautiful places that we love in this state. It's a gorgeous state. But understand this, even as beautiful as this is, imagine when God says, I'm gonna remake the world. Imagine when God says, I'm gonna redo all of this, that all of this is gonna change that when I decide to change it, it's gonna be beautiful. It's gonna be better than you could possibly imagine. It's gonna be something that you and I, even if we wanted to imagine it, we wouldn't be able to. It's just gonna be that beautiful. And so God is trying to tell us that this world, it's broken. There's suffering, there's pain. There are things that we just grieve over. There are things that you and I are so angry about because we feel so powerless to change it. We feel so helpless. So the best that we could do is protest and the best we feel like we could do is to write letters to our government officials and see reform in our uh, government. And so we're trying to, but understand, these are necessary things that we, yes, need to do, need to be a part of. But understand, there's coming a day where God says, I'm gonna build a new heaven and a new earth 
where it's built on that righteous foundation. And you're not gonna be disappointed. I grew up, uh, for a few years, I lived off of a Lanai and Tully, which is on the east side. And right across, if you're familiar with that area of town, you'll see that that area of town, there's the two-story Chuck E. Cheese. So it was the best thing in my young life was when my parents said, hey, we're going to Chuck E. Cheese. I couldn't wait to go to Chuck E. Cheese. It was the best thing. And so whenever we got a chance to go to Chuck E. Cheese, I mean, my world just got that much better. I loved it. And one day, my parents very early in the morning woke us kids up, put us in our, our van and load us up. We went on a trip. It was super early in the morning. We all were just out. We were asleep, just tired. And then we woke up, my parents had driven us from Northern California to Southern California. They had driven us to a city called Anaheim and they had taken us to a place I'd never been before. Honestly, I'd never heard of this place before. It was called the Magical Kingdom. This place truly was magical. They also called it the happiest place on earth. And this place that was so happy, that was so magical, we went and spent hours there. Man, I love this place because they had rides. We went on the Pirates of the Caribbean, Dumbo, teacups, Peter Pan. We saw uh, all the fun stuff there was to do. We met the characters. We ate the food. I had the best day ever as a little child. Man, I loved it. It was so amazing. It was the best thing. And my mind couldn't even wrap my, I couldn't even wrap my mind around how awesome this place was. It was just that good. But then, after Disneyland, my parents take me back and they come to me one day and they said, Mikai, we're gonna go somewhere special. And I immediately said, Disneyland? They were like, no, we're gonna go to Chuck E. Cheese. And then I got upset. I don't wanna go to Chuck E. Cheese. I wanna go to Disneyland. Disneyland is better than Chuck E. Cheese. Isn't that human nature? You see, what you think is the very best, God is like, I got something so much better for you. What God has is even better than Disneyland even better than your favorite place that you put in the comments. You see, that's what God has for all those who are looking for his appearing. But then you say, well, why is God taking such a long time? And can I tell you why God is taking his time? Because God wants to save one more sinner, one more lost person. And it may be you watching this right now. It may be that God is holding off because we're watching what's happening in the world. We're watching plagues. We're watching economic global pandemic. We are watching uh, war starting to break out. We are watching violence in the streets. We are watching devastation. And it's not just one thing and then a few months later you got another thing. No, no, no. This is all happening faster and faster. The Bible likens it to a woman in labor pains that when the baby's about to be born, those labor pains become sharper and quicker and faster. And that's about what's happening. Hey, I believe that this is the last generation and after this, God's coming back. I firmly believe that. I believe it's gonna happen so soon. I believe it's gonna happen in my lifetime. But understand, I'm not gonna be disappointed. I'm not gonna get up to heaven and be like, man, this is it? Man, it was better down there. No, 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 no. God's saying I'm making a new heaven and a new earth. It's gonna be beautiful, it's gonna be amazing. And this is not me just trying to, uh, some type of escapism, that's not what it is. God has given us a promise that where he is, we will be also. So I don't want you to be deceived. I don't want you to be discouraged. And I will guarantee you, you will not be disappointed. So if you've never asked Jesus Christ in your heart, right now I wanna ask you to pray this prayer to invite Jesus into your heart. That recognize he's holding off, coming back just for you. 
So if you take a moment and ask God right now to forgive you of your sins, say, dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've done wrong. I know that I have a sin problem. Lord, would you come into my life and forgive me and change me and make me new? I want to receive you into my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, then today is your spiritual birthday. Today is the greatest day in your entire life. Today changes everything for you. And so I'm so excited that you made this decision. Would you let us know in the comments? Would you reach out to one of our online hosts as they welcome you into the family of faith? Stay connected with our church. Our church is here for you. And we firmly believe the best is yet to come. God bless you. We hope you were encouraged by today's message from Pastor Micaiah. If it was a blessing to you, don't forget to share it with a friend or family member this week. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear them. Get in touch with us by visiting SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect. Again, that's SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect.